of the WRSU crew, Chris Akonis, Brant Wolf, Jake Schmied. Here with you, we were talking before about life at Rutgers during COVID, you know, pretty much a ghost town on campus, a little more activity off campus, but back to sports here, back to Rutgers basketball. We're starting to get some insight into what a potential postseason, not postseason, uh, out-of-conference slate would look like. And John Rothstein has been on top of all of this. Basically, you have all those usual early season tournaments that are scheduled. Teams from a bunch of different conferences come in. And because of COVID, everyone's saying, all right, we still want to play these. We want to go conference only like we did in football because that would make selecting the NCAA tournament a nightmare. They want to take all these different neutral site um out-of-conference tournaments and put them in not necessarily full-on bubbles, but, you know, controlled environments. Environments, And one area that is really gaining momentum is Orlando. Now, Rutgers, by the way, scheduled to play in the Jimmy V Classic, Rutgers-Baylor. That's like the hardest opponent on the non-conference schedule, possibly on the schedule, period. Baylor's considered by some to be number one team in the country. Supposed to be played in December at Madison Square Garden. Now they want to play in Orlando, presumably at Disney World. So, Rutgers in the bubble. What do you guys make of this? I think Orlando is a great opportunity for the bubble. I mean, we've seen this so many times, the NBA and how they've successfully uh, maintained this, um, the law and order there with um getting uh, the COVID tests, getting them rapid, um, have, putting the players in a bubble. I've seen the pictures of how they have the little food in the packets very meticulously crafted so they um, it's able for the players to be able to do all this, be able to play in the tournament in the bubble. And I think that we're going to see a lot more of that as a, almost as like the inaugural bubble. We're going to see more of that uh, happen, especially with college basketball. I think, hey, we've seen a lot of reports with Rutgers and predictions that Rothstein and other analysts uh, – uh, they're supposed to be at Rutgers. They're in the mix. They're right in the mix to be a huge factor in the Big Ten. It's they're up there. They had a they had, were they were obviously they couldn't go to the March Madness tournament because of COVID nineteen. They canceled it uh, unfortunately, but they could make a run at any postseason tournament uh, come March. And I think that the bubble is a good opportunity for them to kind of like get a feel for that COVID atmosphere as well and see how they can screen it the right way. Yeah, I, I definitely think that if, if they can get the bubble in Orlando, that would be definitely a way to go for them. Um, if if not, I mean, I, I don't see why you can't just do what, you know, the NFL and the NCAA is going to be doing too with just playing games at, at home or away and just in, in traveling because at, at that point, um, if, if all these other leagues are doing it like that, I don't see the problem with that either. But Orlando obviously seems to be the, the most – COVID-safe place that there can be for sports to be played. Yeah, and it looks like we're also expecting an announcement tomorrow from the NCAA on when the official start date for college basketball will be. It was initially slated to be November 10th, but obviously due to COVID, that's probably going to get pushed back a bit. Um, Initially, the momentum was around November 25th, but it looks like they're moving up a bit earlier to November 21st. Um, so that'd be like a two-week delay from where they were initially going to be. And it looks like a big part, if not all, of the non-conference slate will be in these bubble-like tournaments. And, you know, 
some of the other tournaments that are being uh, considered for Orlando, Big East Big 12 tournament, um, the uh, Big 10 ACC challenge is also supposed to be considered there. I mean, we could see Rutgers play three or four games, all things considered, in one location over the span of, say, a week. I don't Seven, think that's eight, a bad idea. I, I think that's a great idea to do tournament style games like that, like how they used to have the one in the Bahamas and, and stuff like that, and just and have them have a bunch of the teams there and have them have them play there. And if Rutgers is in Orlando and the Big East is in Orlando, there's no excuse for not playing the Seton Hall game while you're down there. If you're Rutgers, right? Yeah, proximity-wise, yeah, yeah. it would make sense. They're they're right down there. It'd be a new atmosphere for this Garden State. Hardwood, hardwood classic rivalry and it would be great especially coming off a big win over Seton Hall last season too it'd be perfect because this one would have been away anyway so now next year then the next year is going to be back at the rack so exactly yeah that too I didn't even think about that yeah <laughs> yeah I mean that'll be an interesting um, dynamic in terms of what exactly the college basketball out of conference slate looks like and who knows what the deal is in terms of media, uh, how much access they'll have in there. If it's a hard bubble where it's like the NBA where you're either in or you're out, or if it's more of just like a neutral site tournament in one campus, who knows what it'll look like. But, man, the idea of potentially getting to go on a trip where you get four games out of it and you're in Florida in December, I mean, how awesome would that be for us? That sounds sick. That'd be yeah, awesome. That sounds that sounds great. And also you'd be able to see, you'd be right there. You could even, since everything is, you know, all these classes are remote and stuff. I, mean, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of my classes are by arrangement. So I don't have yeah. any. Yeah, don't have half any of mine are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's I, I don't have any time schedule constra- constraints. I could even go and, you know, you could just watch the other games as well. <laughs> yeah. The idea of going to a basketball campus for a week and a half, it doesn't even sound like like a road trip. It feels like a vacation, basically. Yeah, especially this yeah. time. Yeah. So we'll, we'll Another we'll idea see, I but... saw. Yeah. Another idea I saw for conference play now. Uh, Pac-12, I think, is considering this. And I think the Big Ten was rumored to. We haven't heard too much on what the conference slate will look like for the Big Ten. But another idea I saw is, you know, how the Big Ten is set up, as you guys all know. A lot of states have two teams in the, each state. So the model they were considering was rather than have uh, seven teams travel to seven other teams every week, and that's how it is, do like something where like Rutgers and Maryland both go to uh, Purdue's campus and play around Robin, Rutgers, Maryland, Purdue, and Indiana. You play like three games in five, six days, and then you go back to campus because classes are largely remote anyway, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. I think that could work. That's interesting. When did you when did you hear the big the Pac-12 rather like first rumored to like begin discussions of that? Because that's a very intriguing scenario too. It was back in like mid August, I want to say. It was like a week or so after they announced they were postponing fall sports. Because keep in mind, Pac-12 initially said we're not playing anything until January. Right, right. And then they sort of backtracked on that once uh, they got uh, one of those rapid testing deals done for their campuses. And basically that was sort of the talk among at least the basketball coaches and a couple ADs. Who knows how high up that idea has gone, whether it's being still actively considered. But I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. Go one place, 
play three games, and then head back. And you knock out the opponents in the area, too. Like, you don't have to, like, go back, like, individually, or you don't have to, like, have them come to you even. So that, like, knocks out that home-and-home home kind of. I mean, who wouldn't want to go on a trip to Omaha, Nebraska for a week, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> luxurious Nebraska. Who, who wouldn't nice want to? Nebraska. Oh, I'm sorry. Lincoln, Nebraska. Big difference. A huge. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. But while we're on the subject of Rutgers basketball, uh, John Rothstein released his uh, – preseason Big Ten rankings, and he's got Rutgers at number five in the conference. He's got uh, ahead of them. Hang on, I'm trying to pull it up here. He has Rutgers fifth. I know Michigan State is fourth. I believe it's I got it right Illinois. here. Uh, Iowa's one, and okay. then Wisconsin's two, Illinois three. You're right. Michigan State four, Rutgers five, and then Ohio State six. Then interesting to me, Michigan dropped to eight and Purdue nine with all the talent that they departed too. Well, think about it. If you look at the top echelon of the Big Ten, and Brand, I want to get your thoughts on this too. Okay. Luca Garza, Aya Dasunmu. Those were two dynamic dominant players in the Big Ten, both of whom we didn't know if they were going to come back. Both of them did. And I think Kofi Coburn, too, for Illinois in that category. So, you know, that's three really big impact guys in the Big Ten that came back that are in those teams that are above Rutgers. I don't know. What, what do you make of that, brand? Do you think five in the Big Ten, fifth in the Big Ten is realistic for Rutgers? Do you think that maybe they should you aim mean, a bit higher? I, I think that at the at the most you could have them, and, and this is from you know a Rutgers student standpoint, with the most you could have them is at three, and that would be as high as I'd even want them. I think five is honestly a good spot because they are getting you know a little bit of a tip of the hat, and they're getting the nod now that, that they're much better than they have been in, in very long time and I, I think that that five is putting them in a perfect position to go out and get it and become you know the number two team in, in the big ten or, or three team or even one I, I think that that this team has that much potential and I as good I mean I was going to be good but they're the they're the only team that I, I really see that that could I, I could I could build a case for that I like more than Rutgers to be honest yeah I mean Illinois team I, I they're, they're they're good they're good, but I, I I don't see why you could definitively say that oh this team is is better than is better than Rutgers. I, obviously, you can say that they're some people could tell you that this is the better team, but to say that definitively that they're going to be a better squad than Rutgers this year would be I, I don't think you can make that statement. So I I think Rutgers is in a good spot. Like I said, I, I think there's some teams who have as good as rosters and then maybe even slightly better, and I, I think they're in a good spot. There's not too much pressure on them. You know, they're not coming out here now with with you know people are saying this is going to be the best team in the big 10 they're at number five so people think they're going to be good clearly and now they just got to go out there and prove it and do better than what people think i mean exceeding expectations has been the name of the game for rutgers ever since steve peichel took over i mean let's think about that's exactly what i'm saying last year we were all saying to ourselves NIT should be the goal, the expectation, and NCAA tournament should be the goal. Meaning, if everything goes well, we could make the NCAA tournament. And that was like the big storyline for much of the season. And then, you know, we got those two huge wins against Maryland and Purdue the last week of the season. And for and for circumstances out of our control, we would have been in the Big Ten tournament, probably an eight or a nine seed. And uh-huh. that was considered like a best case scenario. And the year before, Rutgers was expected to win like four Big Ten games. They won seven, and they were two missed shots away from a top ten spot. 
that early in Steve Peichel's rebuild. So exceeding expectations is nothing new I mean, for the Scarlet Knights under Steve Peichel. It's kind of what he's used to. I'm excited to see this team. I mean, if, if nothing else, depending on regardless of what happens with football, the fact that they're this optimistic about starting football in October basically calms my anxieties and makes me feel very confident that there will be a college no, basketball, basketball season. College basketball is happening now. Definitely. Yes. Without a doubt I think any basketball. doubt that we've had about that is gone now, which is great. Yeah. And I think Rutgers is poised to really be one of the big stories in college basketball in 2021. I and, agree. That's why you know, it will be. That, that that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I I think that obviously I think five was a bit was a bit low for them even in his rankings, but I I think they're gonna jump up. I, I think that this team is is really special. I mean, all they've lost was Yeboa, but they're returning their whole lot. Only and Shaq Carter, yeah, but only key. I mean, Shaq Carter had some, had some big minutes, but they they get they they got yeah. somebody who's gonna replace him now. And Cliff, I I think Cliff is gonna. I don't think he's our expectations for him should be through the roof either. But I think he could do what Shaq Carter did pretty much. I think he could put up a similar, uh, like similar numbers, maybe even a bit better because the ceiling's higher. So definitely, definitely feel that this is a special team, and all the key players are returning and they've matured and they're getting better. I mean, a lot of people have Ron Harper Jr. as one as one of the best. Uh, at his position in the, in the whole entire uh, NCAA, so look, man, it, it, let's just pray that basketball happens, and I think it's gonna, and we're out. Yeah, Rothstein also put Geo Baker on his Big Ten preseason first team, which was very interesting. And it's been a long time since a Rutgers player has been on the first team. He put him there with Desunmo and Nate Roivers with Wisconsin, Trace Jackson Davis, Indiana, Luca Garza. That's some pretty elite company for Geo, who's going into his senior campaign his last year as a captain on the banks. Definitely. I, I think that this team, as I said it many times, they're going to be special. I'm. Um, I just want to see it in action already. I hope I hope everyone is mentally is mentally there though. That, that that's the only thing that you could somewhat be spec, like skeptical about is that this whole coronavirus thing. You, it, it takes a, it takes a good mind to have stayed focused through and throughout this whole thing. And I hope they come back sharp. And if not, it, it maybe maybe the beginning you could expect a few kinks, but I think mid season they'll have worked them all out already. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about that for Rutgers. I think the mentality among this team, they were robbed of an NCAA tournament birth by COVID-19. I think at the end of the day, you know, they've got unfinished business. They want to prove without any shadow of a doubt that this is an NCAA tournament team. And I think they will. And I'll go a step further. Not only do I think that they'll make the NCAA tournament, I think that they could be a team that could be poised to get out of the first round, get out of the first weekend. Uh, I don't know if I should say that because I don't know uh, what the format's going to be like this year, but I think they could do some damage once they get into the tournament. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if just sure. qualifying should be the goal. I think a safer I think a safer thing to say than them completing rounds in the tournament would just be I think they're going to get a decent seed in the NCAA tournament. That, 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 that's, a, that's a good way to put it. I think that they could go as high as maybe even a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think that's perfectly doable yeah, for this Carl Knights team. Because I, I mean, we still haven't seen we still haven't seen Rutgers play in an NCAA tournament game in how long? I I think obviously Yeah, so exactly. It, it's hard to say that oh they're going to win two rounds in the NCAA, even though I definitely think they can. I, but I think 
a decent seed, whatever decent means for you, that, that's up for you to decide and what your opinions on this team is. But I think that they're highly capable of getting a good seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I think you said it perfectly, Brand. I think they could be like a five seed or a six seed. I mean, they're returning a big bulk of their scoring, too. Geo's coming back. Ron Harper Jr.'s coming back. They have good bench assets. Jacob Young, Paul Mulcahy. And they're still bringing in... Um, they're they're having some good big men now, like you mentioned, Cliff Amarui. They're they could uh, they definitely could surprise even more people next season. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this team. I'm excited to cover this team. This is going to be a fun year for Rutgers basketball fans. And, and let's not forget, Rutgers women's basketball has some of the proof too. They were supposed to be in the NCAA tournament last That's year, true. and that didn't materialize. And Aurel Grante is coming back for a fifth year. So I, I think she's the consensus player to be the Big Ten player of the year. She fell just short of that goal last year. She came in second, and I talked to her about that, and, you know, she's driven. She wants to be the best player in the Big Ten, and I think she's on pace to be the best player in the Big Ten next year. So that'll be fun to watch, too. Rutgers basketball fans have a lot to be excited about. Man, I mean, I'm excited for football. Don't get me wrong, but... Can we just get um, to November 21st already? Yeah, That's a team football, I'm excited to see. Football took a lot of the air in, in college football is is just been deflated out of it. I know they're playing now, and I'm happy for the players who, who want to go out there and play football because they love the game so much. And for the people who are still trying to get, you know, put on a show for the upcoming NFL draft, I know it's a while away, but when it does happen, trying to get, trying to get scouted. But... There for for NCAA football has gotten deflated for me. I, I mean, a, a lot of these players, some players are sitting out. You don't know what how hard people are even playing now at this point. The the whole playoffs are still up in the air. So it's definitely we're we're, we're all looking forward more towards the basketball now, especially here yeah. at Rutgers. Well, I mean, I know how the playoff is going to go. Army's going to make the playoff for the first time ever, right, Shreen? Yeah, that's yep. what it's looking like. They are ranked <laughs> undefeated. Uh, as a, as they should be. They've been very impressive. They the have been. Weeks. Triple option all the way. All right. All right. But uh, this is not an Army football show. This is a Rutgers sports show. The WRSU crew. Chris Aconis, Brant Wolf, Jake Schmied coming at you on the Tuesday crew. Well, we were talking before about Rutgers basketball. You know, looks like they'll be heading down to Orlando for at least some non-conference games. Um, still awaiting final word from the NCAA on what the season could look like, at least in the non-conference stage. Should get some clarity on the start date, at least tomorrow. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. And, you know, as we mentioned before we went to break, Rutgers, a team very much on the rise. Not like any of you guys need to know that, but, you know, <laughs> this is going to be a very exciting and intriguing Scarlet Knights team. To watch, and you know, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we'll be packing the rack anytime soon. But I think most Rutgers fans will just be happy to see everyone back on the court. So, with that being said, you know, we've got two very big NBA playoff matchups going on tonight. First one's actually underway right now. It is Celtics Heat Game One. Celtics uh, up by five, thirty-six, thirty-one. I, I got it here on my laptop. Yeah, I got it on about uh, seven minutes left in the second quarter. ESPN app right now and you know I, I don't know if you listened to the show last week Brand. I am all in on the Miami Heat bandwagon yes now. sir love to hear it as am I <sighs> I'm all right I, I'm I'm all in on them too but this series is, is is up in the air for me 
Why is that in the air for me? I, I I think that I think the Celtics are I think Jason Tatum the only other person that I would take right now other than Jason Tatum would be Luca everyone else all this Zion all this all this it's Tatum this guy's for real I think Kemba it hasn't didn't play that well last series was kind of bothered me but Marcus Smart this whole entire playoffs has stepped up to basically another level that I didn't expect from him because I liked him in Oklahoma State and then he was kind of a bum beginning. But now he's kind of shaped up to be a really, really good role player. Even maybe, I, I, I don't know. But I, I, Jalen Brown is blossoming now too, and I think the, I think the Heat are, are very good. Um, but I, I would, I think the Celtics might win this series. Listen, I am all in on any team with Goran Dragic as their point guard. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> Just Jimmy Dragic. Butler has been, in unreal. my view, he's been unreal, unreal, like. I don't want to hear anyone say anything bad about Jimmy Butler after what we've seen from him in this playoffs. And I'm someone who was no. not the biggest Jimmy heat. Butler fan heading into, heat. yeah, after what happened in Chicago and Minnesota and Philly. I thought, all right, this guy is a bit of a head case. He's very talented, but not the type of guy you'd expect on a contending team. Boy, have I been proven wrong. And not just him, though. I mean, Bam Adebayo is such a presence in the paint. His physicality, his ability to get to the rim, defend the rim, is really impeccable. Tyler Hero, a 20-year-old, hitting clutch shot after clutch shot. Duncan Robinson. Yeah, Robinson's yeah, good, too. Yeah, I mean, he just sank a three. It's sort of like the best comparison I can make is that Miami Heat aren't like your traditional like super team. They're not like no. the team that acquired a bunch of superstars and now they're, they're winning not, a ton of games. It's and gonna- they they they're gonna they're, here's here's in my opinion what's gonna happen. They're either either they're gonna lose to the Celtics here, they win the South, they beat the Celtics, and they go to the finals. They're they're still they're still one piece away. Okay, but I, I mean, I think they're gonna get it. I think they're gonna get it over the summer. Yeah, but I, I guess my main the point I'm trying to make because is I, the best I've thought the analog I can make is they're kind of like a less experienced version of the Dallas Mavericks with Dirk Nowitzki back in, like, 2011. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they have the one that. centerpiece in Jimmy Butler. Or actually, a more recent comparison, although I'm not saying they're as good, uh, the Toronto Raptors last year. You had the one centerpiece yeah, that, that, in Jimmy that Butler. Be, that, would be, that would be a better comparison because, I mean, yeah. when you talk about Dirk, you're talking about one of the greatest players. No, no, I know. I'm, I'm, not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying in terms Jimmy of— Jimmy Butler's far from that. I, no, I, no, no, I no. I wasn't, that wa- I wasn't equating the two in that respect. I meant more in the way the roster is constructed— where you yeah. have one centerpiece player who's like the guy, unquestioned. Then you have a lot of role players who, you know, maybe on their own don't impress you all that much. Like no one else other than Jimmy Butler is like a shoe-in all-star right now. I mean, Bam was but, Bam was an all-star, but that that was for— Wait, was I, he? I, was he this year? He, he was, he was but someone yep. got hurt. Someone got hurt. Oh, he filled okay. in for someone, yeah. yeah he okay, that's in. why I didn't know that, but— Okay, then I actually but, take that back. But the point I'm trying to make is, like, if Bam Adebayo was the number one guy on your team, like, he's not going to carry you deep in the playoffs on his own. Or Tyler Hero, or Duncan Robinson, or Goran Dragic, or whoever. We've got a bunch of role players who maybe don't stand out too, too much on their own. But when you put them all together and you take Eric Spolstra, who is, in my opinion, the unquestioned, hands-down, best coach in the NBA, put all those pieces together, and you've got a pretty well-oiled machine— Dispatched the Milwaukee Bucks pretty easily, which, you know, 
I'm pretty upset with the Milwaukee Bucks for a bunch of reasons. They're, they're, I'm not going to get uh, down that rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, let's not let's not do that either because they're they're sitting home now. But I I was never high on that team, and I think Giannis is extremely. I wouldn't say he's. He's not three-dimensional. He's not one-dimensional because that would be arrogant of me to say he's one-dimensional, but he's two-dimensional. He, he He's missing that one extra thing to make him a three-dimensional player, complete, completely well-rounded player. And I, What I would like you add to his game right now, Brand, to take for that one, For one, I mean, everyone's just going to say his jump shot, but that's kind of the cheap way. That's kind of the cheap way out of it. You, you, you can't... First of all, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's that clutch of a player. Not that that means anything either way, but because I'm not I'm not all I'm not all focused on clutchness. But you, you can guard him, and and they have figured that out. You can somewhat limit him a lot, and it, it's even when people say, "Oh, well, LeBron got limited." Well, LeBron gets limited and puts up 25 and 25 and 10. He he gets limited, and he's putting up 25 points, maybe on way more shots, way more minutes, and he. They really, they made him look foolish. The, the Miami Heat locked him up, in my opinion. They locked him up and to the point where he didn't even want to play anymore. Two points I want to make on that. One, I don't think, I mean, his playoff performance wasn't great, but I don't think you can necessarily put that on him entirely for the sole purpose that he was clearly hurting can, at least you since game you two. You can't get, you can't get, you can't get swept like that. No, well, I mean, they and, didn't and, lose and he, five and he's games, gonna be but, the, no, no, I agree. But, I agree. Yeah, but, but he, he was not 100% himself, in that Gian, series. Giannis didn't, Giannis didn't pull off. Giannis, Giannis didn't pull off a victory. He didn't do... What was the game that he that he took over for a minute and, and almost, you know, brought them brought them to victory like that? Like, he didn't take over in any game. Well, no, but, but Brand, the point I'm trying to make is he was hurting for most of that series. He wasn't at, like... Mentally. He was, he was not hurt. at 100%. Like you could Mentally. tell, he was not a hundred percent. He wasn't as explosive as he usually is. He wasn't as athletic. He wasn't. You know what I mean? As, I don't know. I, I'm just. I'm not. I'm not that high on him. He's not. Don't. Don't tell me he's even close to the best player in the NBA because he's not. I, I don't even have him top three at this point. I, I mean, I think the biggest problem isn't Giannis. I think the biggest problem is the team constructed around Giannis is not a championship caliber team. It's not, but it's is not, it that much no. worse? It, it, is it that much worse than? Ah, uh, I mean, I, I guess, I guess I like the Heat's construction a bit better, but I just think they maybe mesh together. But in terms of names on a roster, I don't think the Heat have too much better of a team than them in terms of just talent and names on a roster. I'll put it to you this way, but then again, at the same t- by the same token, the expectations for the Milwaukee Bucks are a lot higher than what they were for the Miami Heat going into the playoffs. Yeah. So, uh, here's what I'm going to say. I am a firm believer that if your second best player is Chris Middleton, you probably have no business winning the NBA Finals. Yeah, but what about the Heat? Who's their second best player? Okay, but the Heat aren't. But the Heat weren't supposed to be here. They weren't supposed to be in the Eastern yeah. Conference Final. They've exceeded expectations, and I mean, look you know, at, they're also uh, much better coached, so they make up for whatever deficiencies they have with Eric Spolstra. I mean, Mike Budenholzer, like, are you kidding me? Yeah, Spolstra's got the championship experience. That's a perfect point. He, he, he does, but it's also, it, it, it's the it's the players a bit, too. The players are all just, I, I think that they that they mesh well together, this group of guys that they have. If Because it, it's the NBA. Like, you can have a good coach, but 
that that's only gonna that's only gonna get you so far. You have to have the players all on the same page. You're talking about coaching grown men at this point who have massive paychecks. If they like playing together, if they believe in what the coach is saying as well, that does play a factor. But I, I think in the NBA, there's a bunch of factors that go into play when it comes to having a team that's that's solid together. It's not just it's not just the coach. Because I think I think the Raptors coach did an exceptional job too this year. Yeah, I mean, Nick Nurse is – I didn't see him coming out of anywhere before he won that title yeah. last year in Toronto. And I mean, and you got to look at – you got to – I mean, it's – we say that for years, but, I mean, Brad Brad Stevens does an exceptional job. I mean, other than other than Kemba and Tatum, I mean, he's developed a lot of these players. I mean, Grant, Grant Williams has had a couple really big minutes, a, really, a couple really big plays. I, I've liked that a lot out of him. He's developed Marcus Smart into something now. They have a bunch of names on here. I mean, really, when you look at their team, if you if you go off to the average, the average person and start average NBA fan and start naming off players, you're not even going to know them. And they're in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point to make. I want to shift gears up to the, the bigger game tonight, which yeah, is Nuggets Clippers Game Seven as the okay. Heat have now taken a five-point lead in Game 1 uh, about three minutes ago in the second quarter. Yeah. I, I want to talk about this Nuggets-Clippers series. I don't know. How much of that series have you guys watched? I've watched, Everything. like, here and there. But I've been seeing Jokic, Leonard. Like, I love those Every two guys. Even on, even on Sunday, Brant? I, I got, yes. I got, I, got the, I, got the, uh, I got the Nuggets tonight. I'm telling you, I have the Nuggets tonight. Really? Nuggets are winning the series, man. I, I guess I, I guess I'm a bit surprised that the Nuggets have made it this far. I <laughs> thought for sure, like, you thought the I Jazz thought the Clippers. I, I mean, so, I saw the Clippers struggle so, against the Mavericks. And I thought going into that series, was like, bad. maybe they that, have a that shot. Made them, that made them look mortal. Right there, I'm telling you, that that's what made them look mortal now. And I'm not saying that the Nuggets were down bad because they were. They 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 were completely out of it. But it was the same thing. I don't know how how close you guys were watching the NBA Plus. I'm sure you saw the shot though when um, the, the Celtics were virtually up 3-0 against the Raptors, and then OG hit the one buzzer beater. Oh yeah, with like .2 on the clock. I told my friends right there because everyone was telling me the Celtics were sweeping. I told them right there after that shot went, I was like, "This is going seven games now." Like, because. Right there, when you're down bad like that, and you have a moment that can shift a series, now now you don't look that bad anymore. And that's exactly what happened to the Nuggets. They were down bad, came back up from 16, and said, "Wait a minute, we can do this." We were just down three-one last game. Came out. All you got to do is win one game, essentially, and then it's and then it's up in the air who wins in Game Seven. So they went out there, played extremely hard, Game Six, and now you're in a Game Seven situation. And look, I I think the Nuggets are going to be the best team in the NBA in the NBA in a couple of years, if if not if not next year at this point now. Uh, I I'll say this: I am probably I I knew Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic were a good combo, but I don't think I appreciated how good they were until I got locked into them during the playoffs. They're no, so I, good. I had Jamal they're, Murray they're is gelled so perfectly. Good. And then and then he, Michael Porter Jr., that was so genius of them to take him. He's yeah. doing great. Yeah, he's thriving. Yeah, there. I mean, that he's was thriving. a very high-risk, high-reward pick because we had they no idea have, how durable he was going to be. Yeah. They didn't have Gary Har- they didn't have Gary Harris for a while either, so he's starting a little bit to, to fit better into how they're playing now because it's tough for him to just come back in the playoffs and, and, and do well. So they had, they were down him for a while. And for a minute... 
for for a very long time it was it was Jokic at number one, and then it was kind of up in the air who was going to be the you know the two guy whether whether it was Jamal or whether it was Gary Harris, and then Gary Harris kind of he he, he kind of fell off a bit was getting a couple injuries. Jamal just overtook him. Obviously, at this point now, he's a stud. But I really like that Nuggets team. And again, they have a lot of faith in each other. They've been there. They're, it's 3-3 now. They just came out that last series. I don't know. I just got a feeling. They, they're not scared of the Clippers now. And I'm telling you, if the Clippers now do play the Lakers, they're going to get smoked. I agree with that. They're going to get smoked. I'm, I'm telling you, they're, they're not They're not who, they're not who we thought who we think they, they're not who we, who we thought they were. Playoff P is not a thing. I don't know when people started making that a thing. I don't know when that started to become a thing. Well, when, it, when has Paul George done in the playoffs ever? Ever. Every, every time he's, he's gone anywhere, he's gotten smoked by LeBron or he's got smoked by, I don't know, who, who the Rockets, the Warriors. Last year when he was on OKC, he's, he's been getting bullied. It's not playoff P. Kawhi's been doing great. Good for him. But... Everyone thought that, you know, everyone thought Lou Will was, was still this all-star caliber player. But, but realistically, all they got going for them is, is, is Kawhi, who's exceptional, and, and Paul George, who's an average at best, in my opinion, all-star. He's still an all-star caliber player, but he's average. I don't think I can yeah, definitively I, I, say at this point that Paul George is better than Jason Tatum now. I don't think you can say that. No, you can't. You, you can't. can't. Say that you can't at all. I mean, Jason Tatum, the way that might he's be better. Been playing, he might be better now. He's at an elite like, level right now, and he's so that, young. Or, or even, even I can't say Paul George is better than Jimmy Butler or, or any of these players. Like I don't. They don't. Everyone thought that Paul George was just going to be this LeBron to LeBron and Anthony Davis type one-two punch, and they're just not. No, no, they don't. They don't feed they're off each other's skill sets like that. Honestly, yeah. like they do have a better team. I know Montrezl Harrell's good. I know Lou Will is still something, but. He's not, he's not, Lou Will is, he's good, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not sold on the Clippers anymore. Everyone was sold on them. They thought they were going to get some type of, they thought Paul George was better than what he was. And I guess that's what it was. Yeah, I, I was never really a huge Paul George fan. Like no, when he was back in he, Indiana and. Any, anytime he would wait. get somewhere, he, he would get beat. Like, I don't know where playoff peak started. I, I don't know. Listen, where, it takes where, where a very was... good skill set to smoke the magic in round one. You know, <laughs> like let's not. Oh, That's sure. what I'm saying. Like, 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 what has he done? Like, I'm trying to think back. Like, like, when did he do something in a playoff series that was really crazy? I mean, last year, what? Last year he had with with the OKC, he had he had some good games, but then at the end it was it was Dame who sent them home. He didn't do nothing. So I don't know. I'm not sold on him. No, I think the Nuggets no, I'm with win you tonight. On that. If, if if the Nuggets somehow don't win tonight. Kawhi had a 40, 40 plus game. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I were building a super team from scratch, I don't even think Paul George would be under consideration to be a major. Not even, piece not, even if, not even my. He wouldn't even be my my second round pick. I'd rather take a younger guy right now who who's looking like they're like they're pretty good, like I, like Jamal Murray or even um, who else. Donovan Mitchell, or um, I, I can name some more players. Probably, I mean Tatum, obvi- obviously. But I think Tatum would be gone before Paul George at this point. Before your second pick, I don't know. It, 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 it's tough, but I yeah, it think, is. 
Paul Paul George is not is not is not the one. So I'm I'm hyped for this game the other night. It's still going to be a close game regardless. I mean, the Clippers aren't going to go out sorry, not in this game, but but I think the Nuggets are going to come up with the with the victory. Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's the Clippers were probably one of if not the most hyped team that doesn't have a player named LeBron James on it. And they just I mean, they beat the Mavericks like they took care of them but they know, at the did, end of the they, day they, they didn't get the that, job that done seri- that series could have went seven if if Chris it didn't get hurt and, then, and, and to seven. be fair yeah and to be mm-hmm. fair a lot of that is due to just you know um, Luka being Luka and Luka Doncic by the way for all the hype that guys like Zion Williamson get as being the future of the league no, he's not. It's, no, it's Luca. No, but that's uh, no, but that's the hype that he that has been built around yes. him. What I'm saying is, for all of that hype that gets built around him as the future, I mean, Luca gets a lot of hype too, though. Yeah, he does. He, yes, but not as much as he should. Like this is a guy who I fully believe, along with guys like Giannis and Jason Tatum and others, are going to be running the NBA in five years. I don't think I'm Giannis. The only way Giannis is doing something is if he joins some type of super team. If okay, he goes yeah, to okay, the Warriors and does that. Okay, you got ample but, time but to do he, that, though. Five years, he, like, yeah. he does, but that's gonna be that's gonna be something. He, he even on that team, like I'm not. If he were to go join the the Warriors right now, it, it would be, it would be worse than KD in my opinion. Because KD, at least, even though even though he went to the Warriors and that was really bad, and I'm still mad at him to that for this day, KD was definitively. In my opinion, well, not definitive. He was he was the best player on that Warriors team. He was the best player on that Warriors team when he went there. Giannis, I'm not even, sh- I'm not sure if Giannis would be the best player on that Warriors team right now. Even, I think I think a healthy Curry means more to that team winning than than Giannis would. Yeah, I mean that's a I hot think, take. Well, it could be a hot take. It could be a hot if he take. really want. Here's the thing: if Giannis really wanted to, be it a could KD, be a hot take. Miami, that's like the other big destination he's rumored to go to. And look, if you put Jimmy Butler. Giannis Antetokounmpo and that supporting cast in Miami with Eric Spolstra's coaching, I don't think I don't even think the Nets or the Celtics would be able to compete with that. But no, they're they're, they're coming they're coming out. But if that happened, if that happened, I would like to believe somebody goes and joins the Lakers then in order to make it in order to make it competitive because otherwise they would blow people out. But if the Lakers go out and get one more pick next year, they can beat that team. I'm telling you. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with that. Um, but they, they, they need, they need look, one more piece, but yeah, I will say this though. I think Giannis, you know, he had a three hour meeting with, uh, one of the Bucks owners about what they can do to make this team better. I fully believe they're going to make every push to try and get a second star, uh, much more, you know, compelling supporting cast for him. But if, you know, that falls through, I don't like Giannis can say whatever he wants about being a buck for life. I don't see him sticking around past the end of his contract in that case. No, the but no, the Bucks. Who wants to stay in Milwaukee? First of all, who wants to go to Milwaukee? I, I think that Giannis also isn't as much of a likable guy. Like, like they talked about that, like in the bubble. He he's not somebody who's socially communicating with other players. He's really about his business. And I know LeBron people like LeBron are about his business, but I gotta imagine he's you know, definitely not, definitely more of a likable person than, than Giannis is. So I, I just don't think there's an attraction going on. So what I'm saying is, is I don't think people are going to Milwaukee 
because of Giannis. Giannis, I don't think people are opposed to taking him. No organization, no organization is going to be opposed to taking him. But he's the one that's going to be making a move towards a super team. I don't think any super team is being built in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, would you want to go to Milwaukee if you were a talented basketball player? No. No, and, not and, and again, at all. And again, and, and look, is, I don't even gone. think, like, it's necessarily big market or small market. It's more of, like, some cities are just nicer to live in than others. True. Like, same yeah. way how it's easier for Steph Curry to recruit KD out to Golden State than it was for LeBron James to recruit people to come play in Cleveland. Yeah, it's like, that X factor. Well, LeBron is getting, playing, yeah. I, I mean, LeBron has been now for the last couple of years just been getting blackballed by the league in terms of setting up a team. They, they just don't want to see it. I mean, Paul George should have been a Laker. Not that, that I'm way more happy that they have AD now, obviously, but somebody like Paul George was supposed to go to the Lakers a while ago, and no one just wants to give them to, no one wants to give them to LeBron. Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, it's not even necessarily they want to give AD size. to LeBron. No, want to no. Give or, and then who can forget the CP3 trade? Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, that was the most egregious. Like the commissioner vetoing a trade. Yeah, I don't think that that wouldn't even be considered in any other sport. That changed. No, that changed no, the only course. the NBA. Yeah, you know that's that that changed the course of uh, literally Chris Paul's entire career. Yeah, yeah. Now people are trying to impersonate him in State Farm commercials. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, he, it, it's over for him now, but I mean, at least he's still having fun with it. It, it, was fun yeah. to see, it was fun to see him. Fire on the WRSU crew. Chris Konis, Brant Wolf, Jake Schmidt is... At the controls back in our studios, and he'll be leading us through rapid fire. Going to talk about some stuff we missed in our show tonight. Schmid, what do you got for us? Yeah, I think we covered a lot of stuff today. Good show, but we got some NFL injury news. Uh, Michael Thomas on the Saints is out several weeks with a high ankle injury. I don't know if you, either of you guys have him on fantasy football, but he was initially believed he could play through the ailment. He appeared to suffer it late against the Bucks on Sunday when they defeated. Tampa Bay, but now he will attempt to report to return earlier than his reported timeline. What are your thoughts about how this will impact Drew Brees going forward in the Saints? I mean, it won't affect him. It won't affect him too much. I mean, they would they will put up thirty four points with him getting three catches last game. I think I think Emmanuel Sanders played played well for them, but he's also injury injury prone, which could be bad as well. But it seems as though they're trying to feed Kamara the ball a little bit more this year, so. I think they'll be good. They can, they'll survive. The Saints have a great team. Yeah, I, I got to second that. I think, you know, Michael Thomas is such a dynamic weapon for Drew Brees to play around with. But, you know, the Saints offense is just stacked top to bottom. And, you know, Drew Brees, you know, he's getting up there in years, but he's still very much an elite quarterback in the NFL. So, you know, I think the Saints will be fine. They look pretty convincing against the Bucks. On Sunday afternoon, so yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried about the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think they're one of the big contenders to make it to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Yeah, definitely, I definitely agree with you on that one, Chris. You'll be interested in this piece of news. Uh, the Jets put Le'Veon Bell on the IR with a hamstring injury. He's going to miss at least three games. 
They said uh, he was removed from the opening season loss to the Bills on Sunday. He appeared to tweak it. He returned briefly, but then spent most of the second half on the bench with his hamstring wraps. Chris is a Jets fan. What's your take on this one? As a Jets fan, I am beyond upset that Adam Gase put Le'Veon Bell back in the game while he was clearly hurt. And, you know, he aggravates the injury, has to come out, and now he's going to be on IR for the next three weeks when he is hands down the best weapon on that Jets offense. I mean, and, and then he goes in the press conference after and he says, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Really? Oh, oh oopsie, my bad. I, I just injured my best offensive weapon. It's going to be out for three weeks, and my rookie, my young quarterback is going to be seeing ghosts, and, you know, he's going to have God knows what to throw to. I, I mean, outside of Chris Herndon, and um, Jameson Crowder, he's got no one to throw to. Denzel Mims, hamstring injury too. I, I don't know, man. Just thinking about the New York Jets makes me very irritable. I'll say this. I've been hard on on the uh, Jets always. You guys know that. But this oh, year. Oh, I know, Brand. Oh, he, this, year, this year, something happened. And I was ready to change my heart. I drafted Le'Veon Bell. And Here I was saying, go. okay, this this is the moment right here where I, I where the Jets can somewhat win me over a little bit. I, I I was you know looking through Lev's Lev's Instagram and it was saying, oh, I'm 2.8 percent body fat. Oh, I'm the best I've ever been. I'm like, all right, you know what? This guy's ready to go. Let's go. All my friends convinced me. I'm like, he's ready to go. Let's go, Jets. I turned the game on even and I watched it. And what do I see? They get hurt. And it's Adam Gase's fault, definitely 100%. I think Lev's being, obviously, you know, he's being a little soft. Come on, how bad could this injury be? You said you're 2.0% body fat, and and you're this, and you're best shape ever, and all this malarkey, and this is what we get. The Jets are horrific. Next. Yeah, they're well, Hang they're on, horrific. hang on a minute. I, I, I want to push back on that a little bit. Le'Veon Bell is in some of the best shape he's been in in his entire career. I mean that that you cannot. I, I don't think it's fair I'm to not bring that up in the that, context but, but. of you know him getting hurt. It's like he can't help if he gets hurt. But I think the real indictment here is on the coaching staff and specifically Adam Gase um, for not managing that well and say, listen, my best weapon's not a hundred percent right now. I'm a. Uh, be a little cautious in bringing him Especially back because it's better to keep him out for a second yes, half than keep him out for a month. They're getting blown out. They're getting blown out too. They, they, but look, here's the thing. The Jets started to become somewhat competitive in that game in the second half. And I'm not making excuses for them. They were terrible. In the second half, yeah. Yes, they were terrible. But that being said, you know, as a coach, you have to be better than that. And also, while we're on the subject, and I'm sorry to, you know, get back into angry Jet fan mode again, but. Oh, more than Adam Gase Let's saying hear it. that. I'm happy Adam to listen. Adam Gay saying that. Oh, I wouldn't have changed a single play I called in that game against the Bills. <laughs> oh, Lord. Wouldn't change a wow. single. Okay, all right. Let, let's, time out. Time out. Let's, let's, let's analyze what he's really saying there. Cut through all the coach speak. Cut through all uh, of that garbage that he spews at the podium on a regular basis, being a Zoom caller in person. It doesn't really matter. It's all garbage from Adam Gase. He, he's just he, – he, what he's basically saying there is my players stink. He basically threw them under the bus because guess what? If the coach isn't calling any plays wrong, if he's not making any bad judgments, which, by the way, he absolutely is. Any Jet fan with a pulse will tell you that. 
if he's not the problem, you're basically throwing your players under the bus. You're throwing your general manager under the bus. Joe Douglas, who would be the only person who I think has earned his pay as a GM in terms of acquiring assets and making what I think in the long run will turn out to be a pretty smart draft. But to say you wouldn't have changed a single thing when you lost 27 to 17, and we all know it could have been far worse than that. Yeah. Buffalo's kicker couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. No. Would have dropped 35 on them otherwise, and they got a garbage time TD. Same with Goskowski. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother talk. Horrendous. That actually made me want to run through a brick wall. That's really I feel bad for you, Chris, that you have to deal with Adam Gase and coaches like this time in, time out with the Jets. It's it's a lot of drama. I mean, the Jets have won more games than the Giants last four years. That's true. That's, that's true. And I'm still upset about last night. Yeah, I was I was listening to that game last night. That was oh, the, um, Gi- the Giants. Giants Steelers. The Giants look pissed. They, uh, they, they, they look awful. They look pissed. They look pissed poor. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm hard on the Jets, but I think. I think I think Darnold might have looked a little better than Danny Dimes yesterday. He did, he did. Danny Dimes had like small glimpses, but then we threw that pick in the end zone. I was just shaking. And how, how bad? I mean, how that bad was is horrible. That? How bad is that line too? Sa- Saquon literally put up six, six yards. yards. Ben oh, Roethlisberger okay. ran three more yards than him. Unbelievable. That's un- unreal. I don't even know how that's. All right. I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. No, but. no, we won't talk about that. But what was interesting that just happened during the show about an hour ago is that. Rutgers alum Mohamed Sanu signed with the 49ers for a one-year deal. He's with Coach Kyle Shanahan. They reunite. He reunites with Shanahan, who uh, That's was the Falcons' offensive coordinator when he was in Atlanta. Good for Sanu to find a home after he was released with the Patriots. That's great. We were actually talking about that last night. How we thought a lot of a lot of. Um, I mean, we, we thought that he wouldn't get picked up again. We we thought that that might have been it for him. But um, I'm I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy G's got another weapon. In Mohamed Sanu, we'll see how he fares there. And the Raptors signed uh, head coach Nick Nurse to a multi-year contract extension. They announced this Tuesday. As you're talking about it before, Brandt, you really like what Nick Nurse has done. Their first ever championship as a rookie head coach. Toronto is a big destination spot for a lot of players. Yeah, Nick Nurse has done an exceptional job. I mean, you lose arguably one of the best players in the NBA, and you still make it all the way back. To, to, to Game 7 to get back into the Eastern Conference Finals, and you lose to, basically, I, I, I think those two teams were, were really evenly matched, as is this Heat and Celtics game. It's 55-55 at half. All three of those teams are in really similar positions. I think the Celtics are in a little bit better of a position because of, the, because of their younger core, but um, they're, all, all three of those teams have done, have done a really great job. All three of those coaches have done exceptional jobs. There's some uh, growing frustration over uh, Allen Robinson's state of his contract extension with the Chicago Bears, and they feel some of the offers he's received have been disrespectful. This came out a couple hours ago. He, uh, You know what's really disrespectful? Very the real disrespect is that Mitch Trubisky is still uh, the quarterback throwing to Allen Robinson. I know, I know, I mean, right? Did you catch a little waste of that game on Sunday? I'm sorry. He would like, be really good. He oh would my be god! Really good on, on a good on a with a good quarterback on a good team, Allen Robinson would be very very. He good. would be getting yeah, so many catches, touchdowns. He'd be the number one guy. Yeah, and, and let's not forget who was throwing to him before he went to Chicago. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Blake Bortles. That's right. <laughs> to go from Blake Bortles to Mitch Trubisky, I mean, that's like going from Mark Sanchez to Geno Smith. I mean, not that I would know anything about that, but. <laughs> oh my god, man! 
Very Yikes. bad luck. If, I, if I'm Allen Robinson, I'm demanding a trade yesterday. But Yeah, because he's in the final year of his three-year contract, $42 million guaranteed, and he's he led the Bears in receiving each year. But, you know, I would be demanding a trade if I was him too. Yep. He's on a – they're not doing – so well. Ben Roethlisberger said his uh, elbow felt really good after returning from injury. Did you guys catch that he was wearing that sleeve on the sideline? They cut part of the jacket and put it on his left arm. For, I uh, no, I didn't see was, that. There were a, a couple of memes about it online I saw from the Monday night game. Yeah, I did see that. But yeah, he, he looked like his old self against the Giants. That was pretty bad. He looks like he's... I mean, uh, a, lot, a lot of people are going to look like their old yeah, self. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they were 8-8 eight and eight last year, but do you think Pittsburgh has a shot of making the wild card this year? I mean, they have a shot at making the wild card. Their defense is really good, and as long as Big Ben doesn't get hurt, then definitely. But that's a that's a big if because he's been getting hurt every year. It seems like now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the NBA all rookie teams came out. They said uh, rookie of the year, John Morant, led all players with 100 first team votes. Zion, Morant, and Hero highlighted the team along with Kendrick Nunn and Eric Paschel and Brandon Clark. That's the all rookie team from the bubble. For them, you I said Zion. Yeah, I agree with that too. I keep forgetting Kendrick Nunn. Like he had such a, a good bubble, a uh, couple games as well. Kid, he was really good in the beginning of the, of the year. He kind of faded off towards the back end, and then in the bubble, he, he's been so so. He's been so so, but I mean, still, he's he's on a he's on a team getting big minutes on, on the team that's in the Eastern Conference Finals. So he deserves it. Tyler Hero got the second team uh, list with Kobe White, Terrence Davis, P.J. Washington, Rowie Hachimura. As well, that's good for Hero. He got on the second team. He's definitely impressed a lot of people in the bubble. I would say Tyler Hero is the best value out of uh, the NBA draft last year, just because he was drafted all the way down at 13th. But he looks like a top five pick. Yeah, he does. In, uh, mm-hmm. How he's played, not just in the bubble, but just as a rookie in general. And you know, if there were a redraft, I fully believe Hero would have gotten the top five. Oh, 100 percent. He is. A, he just adds me. a lot on offense, defense. He's a stud. He's great. Yeah. Yeah, he's been yep. something else. And you know, I'm excited to see what that Heat team does over the next couple of years. If they can get another star, I know I'm going back to what I was saying before. If they can get another star to pair with Jimmy Butler, man, that would be a very dangerous team in the Eastern Conference. But it would. Yeah. Maybe the East would be a force to be reckoned with if they have them. And who knows where Giannis is going to go. The Bucks will fade. The Sixers need more pieces. Oh, Sixers are way off. Yeah, way, way off. off. Yeah, way off. Do you think they would way get off. rid of Simmons? I heard some rumors they might. They should. I, mean, that, I think they should do something because I'm telling you that core that they got going is not it. No, no, not at all. Like, like I, I don't. I, I think Simmons is bad, and I think Simmons is bad for this exact core that they have going for the Sixers. He needs to be somewhere else, and then maybe he'll he'll do better. But he's never going to be as good as as good as some Sixers fans thought he was going to be. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the WRSU crew. For Brant Wolf and Jake Schmidt, I'm Chris Acona.